my name's Rob. Welcome to our third Getting Answers talk. Nice to have you all along here today. The aim of this particular event is to help you to get answers to your questions. Uh, so questions today specifically on uh, science and Christianity. Uh, both science and Christianity, they're both massive in their own right, aren't they? But uh, many people have very strong opinions about their incompatibility with each other. Um, and that raises a whole heap of questions uh, for many of us. Are they in conflict with each other? Um, does science actually point us away from Christianity and towards something like atheism? Um, they're the types of questions that we're going to be thinking hard about today. First up, uh, we're going to hear a talk from uh, Professor Harvey Miller, who's both a passionate scientist and a serious Christian. Uh, and then straight after the talk, you'll have an opportunity to ask your own burning questions. Um, so as you think of your questions, jot them down, and um, yep, we'll have a chance to ask them of uh, Harvey at the end. Uh, so that brings us to our speaker, Harvey. Uh, Harvey Miller is the National Director of the ARC Centre of Excellence in Plant Energy Biology and is based here at UWA, quite a mouthful. Um, he earned his PhD in Biochemistry and Molecular Biology from ANU. Um, he was a long-term postdoctoral fellow in the Department of Plant Sciences at Oxford University and uh, has also held a range of Australian Research uh, Council fellowships. He has a great stack of national and international awards uh, from major societies like the American Society of Plant Biologists, the Australian Academy of Science, the Australian Society of Plant Scientists. Uh, he's also won uh, awards like the Science Minister's Prize for Life Scientist of the Year uh, and the Premier's Prize for Early Career Achievement in Science. So um, please join me in welcoming him down. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming to speak with us. That's all right. Um, so, uh, what is your role here at UWA? So, I think you probably already said it, but I'm, I run a research centre here. So, it's based at UWA, but we have uh, activity at four university campuses across Australia. And so, I'm leading a research team in there, but I'm also leading more broadly the research of that group of people. Great. And as a scientist, what specifically is your research on? So, I'm a biochemist, but I work basically in plant biology. So, we're basically trying to study and understand how to make cells in plants more energy efficient, which is trying to bring together concepts in sort of biophysics and uh, food production with sort of the, the basic molecular function of cells and try and do something new in that area. Excellent. Sounds exciting. Um, and what perspective can you bring to us uh, today on this topic of science and Christianity? So I think the perspective I can bring as a, as a working scientist, uh, so I'm a scientist, I'm obviously reviewing other people's science, um, I'm also an editor in journals, so I can give a perspective from the other side, I guess, of what we publish in science. Um, and I'm a Christian, so I think that's a, 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 something which allows me to have an opinion on this topic. Not, not the final one, but an opinion. Yep, yeah. great. All right, well, thanks for coming, and I'll, I'll leave you up here to start your okay. talk. I'll give you that great. quicker. Thanks very much. All right, thanks very much for the invitation, the chance to um, have a chat with you about, uh, about these questions. Um, yeah. Okay, so I guess I called what I was going to talk about uh, science and Christianity, do you have to choose? And a very short version of the talk, if you have to leave in a hurry, is, in my opinion, no, you don't have to choose. Um, but I'll go into a bit more detail as to what my perspective is, and, uh, and that may gel with yours, or it may give an opportunity to, to think more. I've also got some somewhere around, there's a list of uh, reading, so if you're the kind of person who really wants to understand the compatibility between... Uh, science and Christianity, and there's a bunch of reading that you can, uh, you can pursue um, beyond what I can do in 20 minutes. Okay, so you can get the perspective from people that this is 
where you have to sit. You have to be in one of these groups, right? So you either have to be a theology kind of person, a Christian or some other uh, religious persuasion, and then you decide that there are spiritual laws, there are spiritual events, and that that's distinct from, say, a science perspective, which says, well, actually, there's physical laws and there's physical events. And these two things can be dealt with separately. Or, in fact, that maybe you just have to choose between the two. But I would say that that's not actually an option for Christians. As a Christian, you can't actually believe that those two things happen independently and can be self-contradictory or contradictory to each other. Um, It's not really an option that we have. Um, And the reason it's not an option is that Christians believe in absolute truth. So they believe that there is actually something which is real, not two realities that we might choose to adopt in different days of the week. Um, And what that means, I think, for Christians is that you really need to look at this question of interpretation of God's word in the Bible and interpretation of the world through scientific investigation. And ultimately, the two should tally with each other in the end. They can't be separate realities which don't communicate. Because as Christians, we believe that there is a God who actually built and maintains the world. And so therefore, what we physically see and what science can achieve and understand of that world has to tally with who he is and what he does, and how he does it. Okay, so for a long time, this is how um, scientists uh, operated and understood uh, that reality. So if you go back to the the beginning of science, you see that the the dominant uh, approach was natural theology, uh, which basically said there are spiritual laws and there are spiritual events. Uh, And these dictate physical laws and physical events, and therefore we can happily investigate the world because we're simply, we're investigating how God built it, how he made it, what he did with it. And so if you look at the whole history of Western science, it's built on natural theology. Now, more recently, there are other approaches to simply say, well, actually, we can flip this on its head. We can actually say, no, there are physical laws and physical events, and this is science, and this tells us about reality and what is, And really, spiritual laws and spiritual events are really just human philosophy, theology, other things that humans have decided to impose over the top to make sense of what's real, which is physical laws and physical events. Now, that perspective, um, those two perspectives are both there. Uh, and you can choose to run in one direction or another in terms of how you feel those two things actually connect. But I think one of the important things when you start thinking about science and Christianity is to recognise the details of how these processes actually work and why it is that there's a perception of this conflict between them. So science really um, is about how the world works physically. Um, It's iterative. Um, It discovers mechanisms. It's looking for empirical evidence. And it operates over a whole range of different disciplines, which many of which have a marginal interaction with each other. So if you think of a discipline as a circle here, and you think about spatial scales and time scales, from sort of what's happening in nanoseconds up to what's happening in billions of years, what's happening in nanometers up to what's happening in light years, we have all of these different fields, which many of them touch each other, and some don't touch each other at all. So they really can't have a communication. Now, because of this there's a great interest in actually finding unifying theories, theories that actually cross across these different disciplines. And so in physics, we talk about uh, gut and also toe, so the uh, grand unifying theory and also the theory of everything as things that people would try to bring together multiple forces, so trying to bring 
gravity and electromagnetism and uh, different forces together to have a, a unity and understand how all of these different parts of physics can link together. And in biology, if there's an equivalent, which maybe there isn't, but if there's an equivalent, it would be evolution. The idea that there is something that can hold together many of the different subdisciplines up to understand the process of biological systems. Now, in comparison, Christianity is really quite a different thing because um, it's about not about how the world works and about mechanisms. It's about relationship. It's about relationship between God and humans. It's dictated through history, literature, and spirituality of people over time. The fundamental difference between this activity and, and Christianity really is that we have a central single resource, being the Bible, which then humans interpret. So humans interpret that to understand what it is um, that God is saying and how we have a relationship with the God that's presented in the Bible. Attached to that, then, are a whole pile of little circles, right? Which are circles of basically Christian literature, so non-Bible-related documentation that explains or espouses a particular aspect of life or a particular um, philosophy, some of those connect well into the Bible, some of them don't. Some of them are all out on their own, um, espousing something which is really quite distinct from other people's perspective and sometimes even outside of what the Bible is actually saying. So they're quite different in the way that they, that they operate. And when you get under the hood of what's actually happening in science and Christianity, you realise that that also means that there's going to be a lot of opportunity for misunderstanding and opposition between the two processes. If you look at science, so science works through multiple levels of literature. Right? So we have the primary literature, which is written in journals that most people, the vast majority of people, never read. Okay? This is the primary literature. Um, it's, there's a hierarchy of journals, so there's good journals, bad journals, and awful journals. Um, there's citation and the influence of the article amongst other scientists. There's the authors and their past work, which is a recognition of how important something is perceived or understood to be. There's also the data that sits underneath that. That's then interpreted through a secondary layer, which are really reviews. So this is, again, experts in the field. They probably write the primary literature, but then they put together and write secondary resources, which are reviews, which is simply saying, well, what's in the middle of the distribution of the primary literature and what's at the edges? So what are we sure about and where do we, are we unsure because the data is confusing and we don't have clarity? And then often it's from this secondary source that we, we get the, um, the tertiary literature, which are really textbooks, which is what most students will interact with, which is a very um, a, a version of all of that information, which is black and white, uh, easily understood in diagrams, well digested and ready for exams. Right? Um, so that's how science works in terms of as a written resource. But when you look at the way that the general public or the media or commentaries actually interact with that, they will dive into any one of those layers and pull out something that appeals. Right? And the difficulty with that is you can do it, but that's not then a reflection of what science as a whole is actually its perception on a particular topic. You're simply gaining, um, jumping back into problems, you're finding one person who has a particular opinion and then deciding that that's science, so that must be what's, what, what the general view is. If we look at Christianity, um, it also has, in, in some senses, the same problem. Um, that we have uh, relationships between God and humans being investigated. We have a primary literature, which is the Bible. It's a fixed reference. It doesn't change. That's not the case for 
for, for, for science, because the science problem is true, it's constantly changing, as in it's constantly being added to. So there's an accumulating level at that basic level that we consider the, the fu fundamentals of science. And then you have exegesis. So you have a process that literary scholars and historians and theologians interact with the Bible to understand, well, what does it mean? That is what is written in Hebrew, in Greek, in Aramaic. What does it mean when we try and translate it into English, into our world and our time? How do we understand what the original authors actually meant? And then we have writers and Christian leaders and reference material interacting with that exegesis process to then present uh, a perspective from, from a Christian perspective. And again, the general public, Christians and the media interact with all three of those levels and have their own interpretation. Now, the structure of this means that there is great opportunity for misunderstanding um, between those two, between Christianity and science as a result of that. Um, and it also means that the way in which Christianity and science actually solves their own internal problems, actually resolves their own internal disputes, um, is complicated and different. And so I think one of the things that's well worth saying are these three statements, and that is that science and Christianity don't work the same way. So they don't have the same um, principles under which they actually operate as a discipline. Uh, science and Christianity don't solve internal disputes and disagreements in the same way. Um, and science and Christianity are not focused on the same outcomes. So those things mean that the conversation between them, although quite possible has some limitations because to truly have the conversation between them, you end up subverting the actual, the actual outcome focus of one of those. And we see that in lots of the debates. So we see that in science. We see scientists who choose to engage with Christianity in a negative sense, putting a lot of energy and effort into trying to disprove God or undermine religion right, rather than actually doing science. And we also see on the other side... Uh, Christians who interact and decide that they're going to take on science in a particular area without a great understanding and depth of understanding of how that science works and what its evidence base really is. And they can also end up proving something that they, they think in terms of the, the scientific reality, but they don't actually further um, the goal of Christianity, which is to interact with people and bring people to a relationship with God, because you don't actually do that by proving something about a rock somewhere. So can you be a Christian and a scientist? I'd say the answer is yes. Now, why would that be the case? And there's a variety of ways that you can, reasons you can say that's the case. Um, I think scientists fundamentally are explorers in their personality and their approach to life. Uh, they're seeking wisdom. Uh, they're not satisfied with status quo answers, usually. Um, and they search for meaning and seek order in uncertainty. And on that front, I think there's a lot of similarities between the kind of person who becomes a scientist and the kind of person who is interested to understand more and is not happy with a status quo approach to uh, thinking about eternal matters. Historically, um, most of the world's major scientific organisations and universities were established by Christians on Christian principles. Some of them like to forget that, but that's the reality of where most of these organisations actually came from. Um, there's also a great legacy of Christians who've been scientists in such role in these organisations for hundreds of years. And today there are many active Christians, um, well-respected, award-winning scientists in all sorts of universities and research institutions around the world operating. So there's no fundamental conflict or reason that the two things can't coexist in, in one person's mind. 
So, some examples. Are there any examples? Here's just a few. Um, a few people who are very, very clearly uh, committed Christians and very active, highly awarded scientists in their fields. Uh, Martin Rees at Cambridge. Uh, he's an astrophysicist. Uh, Francisco Ayaya at uh, University of California. Uh, Francis Collins, who runs the NIH in the US. And uh, Martin Nowak at um, Harvard, who's a very interesting uh, mathematician and, and theorist um, in biology. And there's not that many theorists in biology in that too. Um, so just a few examples, and there's many more. You can find books and books of these things, hundreds of people who are active Christians and, uh, and scientists. Okay, so my, just to give you a bit of a perspective on me, um, so I grew up in, in Canberra, so I'm Australian. Um, I did my education at the Australian National University in biochemistry and molecular biology, a postdoc in, in Oxford, and then came to UWA in 1999. And since then I've been here largely doing research, but also running, involved in the organisation and ultimately running uh, research centres. And currently I'm the director of a, an Australian Research Council uh, National Research Centre um, we have about 120 people are working and doing research in that. I'm also a Christian. I grew up in a Baptist church in, in Canberra, became a Christian at about 12. Um, and I was an active Christian Union member, for people who are Christian Union members here, um, at, uh, at ANU. And since then I've been an active member of evangelical churches wherever I've been, so in Canberra, in Oxford, and in Perth. And I guess my aim as a Christian is to try to, to seek to live as a forgiven peace, person and explain to others what that actually means in my life. What do I do in this, in, in this role as, as a scientist? Well, I publish on protein biochemistry, on mitochondrial function, on evolution of proteins and proteomes, uh, epigenetics, cellular function. These are the areas that, uh, that I actively work on. Okay, so given all that, so why is it perceived um, that being a Christian is um, hard or difficult or even impossible? And I think there's a number of reasons for that. One is um, this sort of history of antagonism between science and theology. So between church and state, the notion and historical examples of the church interfering with the operations of universities for a variety of reasons, some of them um, being about doctrine, some of them just being about politics. Um, the media's perception that the two are opposites. The media loves people to fight, and so it will look for anyone who is prepared to fight um, and make that the story. Uh, I think many Christians misunderstand science and misunderstand what science can do and can achieve and what it's actually trying to, uh, trying to do. Um, I think another major factor in this is uh, the um, uh, creation science movement in US schools and the rise of sort of the new atheist movement opposing that in the US, which then has a ricochet impact on the rest of the world, where some of the issues that are peculiar to the US and its schooling system aren't necessarily the case everywhere. Um, and the last, I think, is the, is the general notion that uh, evolutionary thought, the idea is that evolutionary thought provides a meaninglessness to life. And I think it does outside of another um, understanding beyond simply science itself. If science is your only piece of information then evolution does, can tend to make you think that we're living in a meaningless universe. Um, and the notion is that this has actually impacted on social problems in Western universities. So we have a situation where a doctrine which seems to imply um, a meaninglessness then has an impact um, on the way that societies progress and, the, and, and what different new generations actually feel about their purpose in life. <coughs> 
Now, even though that's there as a, as, as a notion, I think it's because if you believe, if you, if you understand that this is what science is actually telling us, and you have no other reference point to understand the reasonable purpose for it, then it becomes meaningless. But I don't think that's a position that you actually need to take um, if you bring Christian perspective to the table at the same time. Okay, so I think one of the key, key things I want to get across, I guess, is this polarisation of views in science and Christianity. So the scientific evidence probably looks a bit like this, right? There's a lot of stuff in the middle. There's a few extreme uh, views at the edge. Um, but you get the impression from the media that this is the reality. There's a huge gulf in the middle. And there are two sets of views. So there are views about uh, creationism and um, evolutionism at, at two distinct ends. And you could look at the same thing for ethics, in biotechnology, there's the people who think biotechnology is a really key um, thing for the future. I'd be one of those people. There's also people who think it's terrible and should be stopped and we should avoid any attempt to meddle with the way the biological systems work. Um, you can look at the same question for the origins of the universe and different extreme views. The reality is always different than that. It's never as extreme. It's always the case that there's lots of um, views in the middle. There's lots of compatibility opportunities um, but that's not the way the media likes to paint it because that's not the story they're trying to tell. They're trying to tell a story of conflict. Okay, so one thing I think is important is words. And it is very difficult. And I'll try to get into this a bit more in, in, in detail as I go forward. Um, but I'll try and make the distinction between, I guess, evolution and evolutionism and creation and, and creationism. I think there is a distinction. Um, it's never quite as black and white as this, but this is just an attempt to make the distinction. So I think evolution, as a, from a scientist's perspective, is about um, data, theories, uh, a foundation for interconnecting modern natural scientists. Natural sciences. It is really our grand unifying theory for biology um, because we don't have what the physicists have. We don't have a great acronym, but um, that's what we have. Um, now, I think I can say that's distinct from a view um, presented by the sort of new atheist movement, which basically says... Evolution then proves meaninglessness. It, it, it denies a role for a creator or for God's existence, and it counters the need and basically places suspicion on religion as being superstitious with no foundation in reality. There's also an, another balance on the other side, on the creation side. There, there is the notion of creation, which is simply to say we have biblical accounts, we have Christian theolo 